a 28-year-old software engineer called Indigo, which is a low-cost carrier, for help after realizing that he had swapped his bag with a co-passenger. But after Indigo refused to help him trace the other person, the man was able to retrieve information about him from the airline website. I'm going to say head lies. That's a lie. Drum roll, please. Incorrect. That's a true story. Holy smokes. Okay. What's up, friends? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Retool, the low-code platform for developers to build internal tools. Some of the best teams out there trust Retool. Rex, Coinbase, Plaid, DoorDash, Legal Genius, Amazon, Allbirds, Peloton, and so many more. The developers at these teams trust Retool as a platform to build their internal tools, and that means you can too. It's free to try, so head to retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live each and every Thursday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Join the community and Slack with us during the show at jsparty.fm community and follow along on Twitter. We're at jspartyfm. Special thanks to our partners at Fastly for shipping our shows super fast to wherever you listen. Check them out at fastly.com. It is party time, y'all. It is JS Party time, and I am your internet friend, Jared. I have with me one of my good friends. It's K-Ball. What's up, man? Hello. Good to be back on, and I'm excited for this game we're going to play. I'm excited as well. Now, let me ask you a question, K-Ball. Do you believe in deja vu? I think it's it's a human phenomenon. We notice things. It feels like, oh, we've seen this before, but like... What it actually is? Yeah. It's part of our brain, right? Like That's true. It's in there. It's in there. I ask because I'm having a little bit of deja vu right now. Let me tell you, a year ago... Right around April Fools, we did a JS Party episode, just myself and Nick, and I invented this silly game called Head Lies, where I tested Nick's ability to detect what is truth and what is falsehood in headlines around the web. And here we are today. It's just you and I. It's April Fools tomorrow as we record last week as we ship, and uh, we're going to play that same game. So in honor of me giving Nick a gift that day. I thought I would give you the same gift, and this is for you. This is for you, K-Ball. Just me and you. Okay. I'll take it. Oh, you couldn't hear that? No. Not in the slightest. Son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you doing a little dance, and I'm like, I did okay. the same thing that we had to, that everybody does when they're noobs. I didn't go live. Let's start again, and I will, I will play it back so that you can feel it. Okay, and then I got to know how Nick actually did so that I know where, where's the bar. Mini me, you can now do you get it? Uh huh. Now he's into it. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll notice I. <laughs> it worked a little better when it wasn't just you bopping over there and me just hearing silence, right? You're like, why is he bopping his head? You'll notice I used the Dr. Evil version, not the official Will Smith version, due to recent events. I'm way more on Dr. Evil's side this week than. Sir Smacks a lot. And you weren't before? I've always been a Dr. Evil fan, so yeah, absolutely. 
Well, it is just the two of us, but before we get into my silly game, and I'll tell you, I'm pretty sure, I didn't go back and listen, I'm pretty sure Nick lost. I can't remember by how much, but I remember rubbing it in quite a bit, and so you can expect that in your future as well, Okay. unless you are a better lie detector than Nick Nisi. Having planned the game, you may have your finger on the scale a little bit there. You know, favors the house. Okay, we'll see. The house does usually win. We'll see what happens. Before we get into the head lies, let's talk about some headlines, just so folks have, you know, some actionable informational takeaways from this episode. <laughs> and the first one we want to discuss is brand new, finally released. It was in release Canada for a while, but out there in the wild, just as of a couple days ago, React... 18. Yes. Now, I know you guys use React at Humu, right? We do. Yeah, we use React. Um, actually, my manager, our head of engineering, used to lead the React team. So we have kind of the, the inside track to what are the best things to do with React. But um, yeah, this is an interesting release because I feel like on the one hand, it's like contains stuff that they've been talking about for almost five years now, like a long time. They've been talking about concurrent rendering and how do we do this and suspense right. and yada, yada, yada. And on the other hand, like I was reading through their release and they're like, yeah, this probably won't affect you right away. Frameworks are going to pick it up and it'll happen behind the scenes. But like the short-term impact, you'll probably stay with what you've been doing. Right. So, uh, you know, where the rubber hits the road in a production app, what version of React are you all on? Ha. We are currently on a... on. The latest 16, we were talking about updating to 17. We're still EOLing IE 11, so we can't get to 18 quite yet because it doesn't support okay. it. We've been talking about, they say, we'll try to, we'll do best guess effort to keep IE 11 working, but we're not going to officially support it. And so we're kind of asking ourselves, how lucky do we feel? But I, I think we'll, <laughs> we're very close on the last few big enterprise customers that uh, are still using IE, getting them off of that. And so I, I think we'll probably stay on you know, go to 17 until we get them off and then move up to 18. Very good. So for those who are not in the know and have don't have one of the old core team members, you know, heading up their company, haven't been paying attention to React 18. So from the release notes, the big headline features, out-of-the-box improvements like automatic batching, they have new APIs like start transition, streaming server-side rendering with support for suspense, and then the concurrent stuff, which, I, like you said, has been on, in the works for a very long time and is really kind of like a fundamental change to the way React works under the hood and one that they want you to know about. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing where it's like, it's under the hood, you're going to benefit from it, but it's not one of these things that's like black box, don't worry about it. It's kind of like, well, you should kind of understand how React is working in this new way. And so it's not, uh, I don't know if it's a leaky abstraction, but it's like a purposefully leaky abstraction. Is that, you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because I think if I'm reading what they're saying, right, they're saying like, this is complicated. It's something that you probably don't want to be managing as an application developer, but it's something that is going to subtly change the way things behave and that frameworks are going and libraries and things are going to increasingly take advantage of. And so you should understand what it's doing behind the scenes. So if you run into one of those subtle changes or you run into a bug due to one of those subtle changes, you can debug it. Right. So just curious, when you said you have EOL IE 11, how, I mean, you, do you have a countdown timer to the day or how, when is the day that you can finally drop that sucker? Well, so I think it, Microsoft has said 
June 15, 2020. Uh, that's what Nick just shared again in the chat. 2020, that's that's in the past. Sorry, 2022. Probably. 2022. Okay. I misspoke. June 15, 2022. So we're like a couple months away from that. Now, of course, when you have Fortune 500 enterprises paying you millions of dollars and they say, well, they're not going to drop it on June 15, 2022. We still want it. Then you say, okay, well, how do we move you along? And so I actually don't know off the top of my head what our internal date is as much as we're trying to use microsoft's eol as a clutch to get everybody off of it like the reality is customers do in some senses have the final say but it should be close to that time frame all right well looking forward to close to june i'm sure there's plenty of people out there waiting for this one to officially drop so they can eventually drop anything else to say about react 18 before we go to the next headline no i think that's it i mean i think the automatic batching will probably help in a number of places Oh, one other thing I did see that I thought was... That's a performance concern mostly, right? Yep. So, and actually a lot of concurrent, like it's not really about... New features. Functionality, new features. It's about smoother abilities to, for example, make big updates without interrupting your main thread. So as people move to concurrent rendering, you're less likely to have the, the situation where like I'm typing and there's a big change in my input changes. So like type ahead search, for example, if you have type ahead search, that's rendering a whole bunch of new results. You do that. If you're not careful today, you can do that. And you're like type ahead freezes periodically as it re-renders those results. Yeah. Concurrent should make it really easy to not have that be a problem. So I think it's a really useful tool for making things better without changing any sort of fundamental model of how you're approaching things. So in the chat room, Ogabe has a question regarding IE11. Maybe you can feel this one. I don't know exactly the answer. He says, when we can drop that, we can basically drop the old Safari, Firefox, and Chrome versions too, which means Webpack won't be necessary anymore, question mark? Ooh, what do you think about that? That's probably kind of a, it depends. Yeah, it's very much it, and it depends. So there's a couple pieces to that question, right? So there's, can we natively use ES modules and not have to bundle things at all? Right. Actually, generally, from what I've gathered, folks are still kind of recommending bundling for maximum performance in a lot of situations, even if behind the scenes you're loading, for example, your sub bundles with ES modules, you know, having everything split out entirely, I think is is not still the the sort of happy path there. Which was kind of the promise of H2, right? It was like we wouldn't have to do that for peak performance anymore, but it just seems like it never really came to fruition. Yeah, and it's like mostly there. Right. If you're not doing too many modules, you're doing things pretty simple, you could probably get away with it. If you're, you know, generally you have a good performance budget and you're not shipping that much JavaScript, you could probably get away with it. I suspect people are still going to want to be bundling for peak performance in production for quite a while. Especially if they're already using TypeScript or other tools. If they already have that build step, then it's like, well, Webpack is giving me this, but also it's giving me that and this other thing that I like to use as well. The other thing you can do, and what something that we shifted to, is use Vite, which in development uses straight ES modules and is way faster. Like the dynamic update and all of that is so much faster than with Webpack. And then it bundles things with Rollup, and you can use the same config to do your local dev using ES modules served straight, super lightning fast, then bundle for production using Rollup from the same config and ship everything out. That is, you know, we shifted to that three months ago, six months ago, and it has 
massively improved our developer experience over Webpack. So if you have a very large application and your local Webpack recompile times and things like that are annoying and painful, definitely look at migrating to Vite. It was not a drop-in migration for us. Now we had a pretty custom config. If you're using a Webpack config pretty much directly from like create React app or something like that, there's probably an easy migration script. But if you have a pretty custom Webpack config, then yeah, you may have to do some work. But it's been a massive developer experience improvement to shift to Vite. And yes, Vite, pronounced Vite, it's from French, I believe means fast. And it is. Yes, Vite rhymes with sweet is my way of remembering it. Nick Neesey says Vite rhymes with feet. I'm like, that's just gross, dude. Why not go sweet? Why you got to go to the feet immediately? Well, speaking to the older versions, uh, I think Ogabe's point that we, we both missed on was that, well, those are auto-updating. Like IE11 is kind of the last holdout. And with like official ES module support, it seems like IE11 is the last big red on can I use that people are still probably using. Like, I don't think anyone's really stuck on an old Safari unless they have like an iPad, like an older iPad that just won't upgrade. I know one of my sons has an old iPad that can't get iOS 14, I think, and he's left in the dark for many things in the modern web and native world. So heading to our next headline, and this is another release. It's not quite here yet. I guess when you're listening to this, if you're listening live, it's not live. If you're listening on the feed, then it has gone live, and that's Redwood JS. It goes 1.0 on April 4th. Yes. So you've had your eye on this, Cable, because you were talking about bringing some Redwood folks back on. I actually haven't heard much about Redwood since our initial show. We had Tom Preston Warner on the show back when he first announced Redwood. I think that was episode 119, and this is episode 220, so 100 episodes ago. Have you heard a lot about it in the interim or is it just kind of like poking its head back up again? I have not. So it doesn't seem to have gotten nearly the level of buzz that, for example, Remix has. And I think part of the reason is it's a little bit further of a step from what people are already doing. Let's maybe do a quick refresh on what Redwood is. So Redwood is a React framework that is kind of trying to do a like Ruby on Rails for front end type of thing. So leaning into things like generators, convention over configuration, trying to do the whole stack for you and make it easy. And they have some abstractions that are are interesting and possibly unique that we could, or some of them unique, some of them not, that we could go into. But that's kind of, I think, the idea. I mean, I think TPW was big on Rails earlier, and mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to recreate that out of the box. Things just work for you. It feels simple experience that To be honest, we don't have very many places in the front-end world. And yeah, I don't think it's gotten, you know, it is a little bit bigger of a step from where people are because it is a different take. And I haven't heard nearly as much buzz in the web community about it. That said, I mean, they are part of their like announcements. They're talking about all the people using it, the startups that are built on Redwood and are you know, have raised money based on it, things like that. So it's clearly getting used, Mm -hmm. but I haven't heard as much buzz. I'm hoping actually that, so I think it's really cool. I've missed in the front end world that just like out of the box, it just works experience that I remember from the early Ruby on Rails days. Like that was magical when first started doing that on the server. And if they get it right, it will feel magical to have that again on the front end. I don't know if they've nailed it or not, but I'm hopeful, and I hope this announcement gets them some deserved attention and, and gets 
people using it. So I just listened to the remix episode. I wasn't on the episode. It sounds like remix and they're, they're calling it center stack, which is kind of their way of saying, well, like we don't want to be thought of as a front end framework, but we don't really have all that much back end stuff yet. It's kind of the way I was reading that from Kent. And it seems like Tom and the gang, they're more like a full stack front end first, but full stack, like it's a hybridy thing, kind of like next, but like more full stack even than next is like, am I reading the room right? Yeah. So I think my take on remix and I was digging into this, I'm actually working on a, a blog post based off of that episode. Cause I think it's, it's a really interesting take on things. So mm-hmm. I think remix is really trying to solve the server side rendering client side rendering, like uncanny valley when i ship over stuff but then i have to hydrate it like that whole space like that's what they've been focused on and they do some pretty interesting things in terms of their routing to set up themselves up for that and in terms of how like when you navigate what actually gets rendered everything's actually rendered on a server but it feels like it's client side and it's only doing the minimum possible set of things so like they're doing that's where like their focus is But they don't have, as far as I could tell, any abstractions at all around how you're storing your data. They have a little bit about how you're loading it, but really only how do you tell the router what needs to be loaded so that it's only doing the minimum possible thing and it's loading things in parallel. Whereas Redwood has a whole kind of abstraction built around like how do you package up components with the data they need actually that that part's pretty similar to what remix is doing in terms of specifying the loaders but then they have a bunch of like opinions about okay you're going to do graphql and we're going to provide you the things that you need to do that and we're going to bundle a graphql server on the server side so that you know it's easy for you to set things up there and we're going to make it really easy to work with prisma and have that as an opinion so it's kind of trying to do the whole thing of like what you might do with a front end and a node server and like doing all of those different things make that super easy front to back and kind of let you, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they have either client or server side rendering and they sort of seamlessly do that depending on what state you're in. So yeah, I think they're trying to be full stack in that sense, whereas Remix is trying to say like, if you had a separated front end and back end before, but your front end was either server side rendered or client side rendered, they're like trying to bridge those two together and make it feel more client side while actually doing things on the server. Yeah. I think Remix is in an interesting marketing position because like on one side, they're like, we're, tr- we're replacing React router, but then we're not a React framework. You know, it's like they're like, try not to get pigeonholed too hard we're not we're front end but no we're center stacked you know and i think kent's very wise in the way that he's trying to position this for for longevity and success and all that i just it's interesting to see how people talk about what they're working on and don't want to get put into a corner right totally be thought of as a react framework because i don't like react not me jared but like anybody who doesn't like react might just dismiss remix altogether and they want to avoid that i feel like remix has honestly taken a relatively small but powerful set of concepts and implemented them really, really well. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see then, based on that, do they keep building on that same set of abstractions? You know, they're talking about having these like bundles that you can pull in, but those that might not be owned by Remix. Like, it'll be really interesting, as you say, to see their strategy as they evolve. Yeah. But they feel much more like they have like three core things that they've gone really deep on and made work really well. Whereas 
Redwood is like trying to do a whole bunch of stuff for you and make it feel easy to do those things. Right. Like on the other side, maybe Redwood might get pigeonholed as Rails for JavaScript. Might. But maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) Rails is still extremely popular and extremely powerful. I think if they manage to successfully pull off Rails for JavaScript, they've got a winner. Mm -hmm. So when can we expect this blog post to go live? What's the status? Well, so ETA me. I was hoping to get it this week or next, but we just did an engineering reorg and I've got a whole bunch of stuff that's kept me super busy. Gotcha. I'll try to get a draft for you. I have some time tomorrow to work on it. So I'll try to get a draft for you by sometime next week. Okay. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, K-Ball's anticipated blog post might be out there. We're not going to make any promises here, but no promises. But Redwood JS 1.0 should be out there April 4th. They have a big launch week. We'll link to that. And yeah, expect. Not going to promise, but expect more Redwood content on JS Party here in the coming weeks. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Square. Millions of Square sellers use the Square app marketplace to discover and install apps they rely on daily to run their businesses. And the way you get your app there is by becoming a Square app partner. Let me tell you how this works. As a Square app partner, you can offer and monetize your apps directly to Square sellers in the app marketplace to millions of sellers. You can leverage the Square platform to build robust e-commerce websites, smart payment integrations, and custom solutions for millions of businesses. And here's the best part. You get to keep 100% of revenue while you grow. Square collects a 0% cut from your sales for the first year or your first 100 Square referred sellers. That way you can focus on building and growing your Square customer base and you get to set your own pricing models. You also get a ton of support from Square. You get access to Square's technical team using Slack. You get insights into the performance of your app on the app marketplace. And of course, you get direct access to new product launches. And all this begins at changelog.com square. Again, changelog.com square. move to our last headline and this one seems this is very interesting mdn plus make mdn your own so that's mozilla developer network at least that's what it used to be called is that still what it's called i think so and they say in this announcement that it's one of the most trusted resources for information about web standards code samples tools and everything you need as a developer to create websites I still remember when there was this big push to replace W3 schools with MDN, and I think we've successfully done that. I find MDN at the top of most searches that I used to find W3 schools. I'm sure they still rank highly for a a few things. But they say, in 2015, we explored how we could expand beyond documentation to provide a structured learning experience. Our first foray was the learning area, which I've never heard of myself, with the goal of providing a useful addition to the regular MDN reference and guide material in 2020. We added the first front-end developer learning pathway, which I have also was not aware of. We saw a lot of interest and engagement from users, and the learning area contributed about 10% of MDN's monthly web traffic, which is significant. They go on to say these two initiatives were the start of our exploration into how we could offer more learning resources to the community. Today, we are launching MDN+. Plus which, you know, 
MDM plus plus would have been a better name, but uh, <laughs> we've already used that one. Our first step to providing a personalized and more powerful experience. So basically, they have new features and they have subscriptions. First, your initial responses. Then we'll go in a little bit about, about the plans and like what they're offering. When you hear about this, what do you think? Is this like cool? Is this weird? Exciting? Bad? I don't know. So I hadn't heard of this before you put it out. It hadn't made it across my radar. It feels like they're going after free code school, free code camp in some ways. Mm. Like we have all this web traffic, people trying to learn this, like let's put a bunch of tutorials together and things like that. And, you know, I love to see innovation in that space, competition in that space. I think there's more opportunity in the web development world than ever before. And it's one of the, in my mind, it's one of the most like it's the best class to get out into a middle class lifestyle or sorry, the best best path to get into a middle class lifestyle that exists today. Right. You can learn on your own. You don't have to pay. You don't have to be credentialed. You just have to learn and show you can do the work and you can get a reasonably paying job or contract opportunity doing web development anywhere in the world. You uh-huh. just need Internet connection and a laptop like that's amazing. And so more ways to help people learn if they're high quality which MDN historically has been very high quality. Yes. That's phenomenal. That's great. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm the target market here. Like as somebody who's sure. been like, I've been in the industry almost 20 years at this point. Like I'm not doing your average tutorial right now. Yeah, yeah, You're looking for the reference. That's all you need is the reference guide. Yeah. I just need the reference. But yeah, I mean, if they're doing high quality tutorials, that sounds great. Now I'm looking at like right now it's free, I think. Yeah, let me lay out their offering. So, of course, the MDN reference guides are always going to be free, according to what they say. And I think we can take their word on that. Like, they're not paywalling all their reference pages. If that's what people think it is, it's not that. So that, I think, would be slimy, and I would not be for that. This is additional things, okay? So there is what they call MDM Core, which is you sign up, it's free, but you have an account. And so it's kind of like test driving deal. And then they have two paid subscriptions, MDM Plus 5 and MDM Supporter 10. So five, five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. Of course, they have annual plans, blah, blah, blah. And what those get you is additional features that they're building. Like there's three kind of headline features that they offer as part of the subscription. One's called Collections, where you can basically pick your favorite articles you want to save and get to them quicker. I don't know. It seems like a bookmark also does this feature in your browser. Like Firefox already has this feature called bookmarks, but I don't want to belittle it. I wonder if you can like share collections or things like that. Like this could be an interesting way for like teachers or others to do curation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second one's notifications, which I think this is a pretty cool idea. So they say from tutorial pages to API references, you can now get notifications for the latest developments on MDN. When you follow a page, you'll get notified when the documentation changes. CSS features launch, API ship. Now you can get a notification for significant events related to the pages you want to follow. I think that's pretty cool, especially if you're like waiting for an API to go golden or whatever official. You don't have to like check on it. So that's cool. Notifications. And then the third one is offline. So they have this progressive web app that gives you access to MDN web docs, web docs, even when you lack internet access. So you can go offline, you can go on an airplane, you can go fast, et cetera. And so those are kind of like what you're, that's the value exchange. But I think also built in here is 
we saw what happened with Mozilla's last round of layoffs and the shakeup at MDN, right? That's actually where I was starting to think if like Mozilla has been struggling on the business side. Right. Like if this could provide some revenue. This provides revenue. It gives people who care about the work that they do a way to directly support them, which is something that like didn't really fully exist. I mean, I guess you could in theory donate to the Mozilla Foundation, but I I feel like right. a lot more folks are willing to buy something even if it's only nominal value in the name of supporting than regularly donate. Yeah, so I mean, it could be a good thing for the whole for the whole community. Of course, it's the onus is on them to convince people to sign up and and get those memberships going. But Totally. I don't know if these three th- I'm also not the target audience, but I'm trying to broadcast my thoughts into a targeted audience. I'm just not sure if these three things provide that much value, but maybe it's just a starting place. So I, to this day, pay for a medium subscription. And I do that specifically because I want to support explorations in other ways to help authors monetize. Not because I actually get enough value out of that medium subscription that I might pay for just that value. And I actually, as recasting this as a way to support MDN, I might be willing to pay for this pretty much purely for that. And the features are like bonus, maybe, but like they've given me a way to show support and make sure the MDN team is more sustainable. I might do that. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it's not unlike, you know, our Changelog++ membership where it's like we try to provide some value with that ad free feed. You get uh, extended episodes and we have like higher bait rate MP3s, but we realize that actually like those things probably don't balance out what you end up paying on the monthly. Like we want to add more to it and make it more valuable, which I'm sure MDN is the same place. Like we love to have more features and more bonuses for people who are our subscribers, but the people that support us with Changelog++, they do it because they love our shows and they want to support us. Totally. I mean, that's pretty much 201. Maybe there's a few that are like, I really hate ads, and so I pay for it. And that's cool, too. But I think that's probably going to be a lot of, at least the early subscribers to this, are the people that are like, I've gotten lots of value from MDN over the years, and here's five bucks a month, right? I appreciate the value. So totally, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, I'm looking at this right now, and they call that out pretty explicitly. So they say, you know, I'm reading it. They say, MDN is a part of the daily life of millions of web developers. For many of us, MDN helped us with getting that first job or helped land a promotion. During our research, we found many of these users, users who felt so much value from MDN that they wanted to contribute financially. We were both delighted and humbled by this feedback to provide folks with a few options. We're launching MDN plus yada, yada. So like there is leaning into that, like people get value from this and they want to support us already. So here's a way you can do that. All right. Those are your headlines. They're all true. These are all real headlines. When we get back from the break, I have some other real headlines. I also have some head lies, and we'll see if K-Ball can detect which is which right after this. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sentry. Build better software faster, diagnose, fix, and optimize the performance of your code. Over 1 million developers and 68,000 organizations already use Sentry. That number includes us. Here's the absolute easiest way to try Sentry right now. You don't have to do anything. Just go to try.sentry-demo.com. That is an open sandbox with data that refreshes every time you refresh or every 10 minutes, something like that. But 
Long story short, that's the easiest way to try Sentry right now. No installation, no whatsoever. That dashboard is the exact dashboard we see every time we log into Sentry. And of course, our listeners get a deal. They get the team plan for free for three months. All you gotta do is go to Sentry.io and use the code changelog when you sign up. Again, Sentry.io and use the code changelog. And by SignalWire. SignalWire offers APIs, SDKs, and edge networks around the world for building the realest real-time video and video communication apps with less than 50 milliseconds of latency. They use WebSockets to deliver 300% lower latency than APIs built on REST, making it ideal for apps where every millisecond and responsiveness makes a difference, like apps that need instant natural language understanding, real-time machine vision, or large-scale video and audio conferencing. Here's what makes them different. They use MCU, multi-point control unit that mixes all video and all audio feeds on the server side and then distributes a single unified stream back to every participant. That way, every participant in the apps you ship experience the same video and the same audio. Your apps have none of the awkward audio effects, obvious lag, and jumpy video. It's all smooth, great UX, creating a more lifelike virtual experience without compromising audio or the video quality. Head to signalwire.com video, mention GS Party to receive an extra 5,000 video minutes. Just go to signalwire.com video, and remember, mention GS Party to get those extra 5,000 video minutes. time for the world famous game show <laughs> that's a lie it's called head lies and unfortunately our regular jingle guy matt ryer his head has exploded to the three times the size he's he's requiring me to send him only the brown m&ms fees out the wazoo no royalty free anymore so i had to create my own jingle <laughs> i apologize in advance uh, here it goes Headliner, headline, you gotta decide. Headliner, headline, give it a try. Headliner, headline, guess what's inside. Headliner, headline, I'm out of words that rhyme. Thank you, thank you. All right. You get what you pay for around here. I was gonna say, uh, how big are those royalties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have Matt rewrite it. We'll just splice in a better one later. If you want better music than that, change log plus plus. <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. Okay, here's how this game works. I have gathered a bunch of real headlines, as well as the first paragraph of the story, okay? Then I've also generated some fake ones. I've written both the headline and the first paragraph of a fake story. I will give you the headline, at which point you can guess whether it's true or a lie, okay? If correct, you get two points. If incorrect, I get two points. Okay, it's me versus you. Okay. Now, if you want more information, you can request the paragraph, at which point I will read you the first paragraph. Then you can guess, but it's only one point. Okay, so you cut your point opportunity. And if I get it wrong, how many points do you get in that case? I get one. So it's still even. So you're just lowering the stakes with more information, basically. Got it. So I lower the stakes with more information. Okay. There are 10 rounds. At the end of 10 rounds, we'll see who has the most points. 
Okay, I got to come into this with a strategy here. Okay. I feel like, generally speaking, unless I'm confident, I want to lower the stakes. Okay, that's a good strategy. I am a risk reduction type of fellow, you know, that engineering mindset right there. Okay. Well, we'll give you the first one. We'll see how you feel, and uh, we'll go from there. Are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. Okay. Man says he hacked airline website to find lost luggage. Would you like to guess or hear more? Man says he hacked airline website <laughs> to find lost luggage. That's right. So I'm going to outline my thinking here. Okay, let's hear what you're thinking, yes. On the one hand, I see no way that a man could actually do that. On the other hand, you just said man says that, and people will claim all sorts of crazy stuff. So so you're on the fence then. I'm on the fence, so I'm going to ask for more information. All right, here's the story. A 28-year-old software engineer called Indigo which is a low-cost carrier, for help. After realizing that he had swapped his bag with a co-passenger, but after Indigo refused to help him trace the other person, the man was able to retrieve information about him from the airline website. So he tracked the guy himself. I'm going to say head lies. That's a lie. Drum roll, please. Incorrect. That's a true story. Holy smokes. Okay. So Indigo's website was so bad, he was able to hack it and figure out who the other... Wow. That's impressive. Yes. This is according to bbc.com. I'll link up the the stories for folks to go read the, the rest of the story. But yeah, that's a that really happened. Now, he is just claiming, and I think they're claiming he did the nefarious things. He said, actually, the information was kind of publicly available. Reminds me of that HTML yeah. politics story from a few months back. I can't remember the details there, but... He said there's no actual hacking. He just like got the information because their website's so bad. I just, I struggle to believe that that was possible. But once again, he's just claiming it. So I don't know. All right. Yeah. So this is setting my priors. I'm going to have a pretty bad <laughs> over under here. <laughs> All right. So after one round, the score is Jared one, K ball zero. Are you ready for your next headline? If I get swept, is there anything particularly bad? <laughs> yeah. You can't be on the show anymore. You're just off. With that as my outcome, I'm going to just start flipping a coin here. (laughs) (laughs) It is a 50-50 chance. Blockchain.com raises new funding at $14 billion valuation. Would you like to guess for two, or would you like to hear more? Do I have any knowledge about the timeline of these headlines? Were these gathered in the last, you know, month, or could they be going back indefinitely? So I gathered them today. That doesn't mean they were all written today, but I will say... They're all pretty recent, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say a lie for two reasons. Here's what I'm thinking. So number one, okay. I've already guessed a lie, and you said there's a distribution. So, I'm so you're playing the numbers game. You're counting cards. I'm, myself, I'm playing the numbers game a little bit. Okay. But then the other one is we have been in a bear market on crypto and others. Like There was huge amounts of hype right. last year, late into the last year, but pretty much this whole year, it's been going the wrong direction. and. So if these are likely to be relatively recent, I like my odds for this being a lie. Okay. Drum roll, please. Incorrect. It's 100% true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm doing swimmingly here. Okay. So I uh, actually, the reason why I included this is because it also surprised me for the exact same logic. I'm like, how are they raising $14 billion valuation? This was just March 30th was this article. So yesterday. There's always a bigger sucker, I guess. And anytime that I think I have too low of an opinion of folks, I'm wrong and they could actually be worse. 
So the full first paragraph is startupblockchain.com said it raised new funding that values the company at about $14 billion, more than doubling its worth, and a sign that cryptocurrency firms still enjoy the favor of investors in turbulent venture capital markets. And that is off of Bloomberg.com. So after two rounds, the score is Jared 3, K-Ball 0. I'm having a great time. I hope you are as well. Okay, headline number three. There's 10 of these, by the way. We're three-tenths or 3% for those who are good at math of the way there. Next headline. The pain will continue until morale improves. Leaked Apple memo describes the company's plan to go fully remote by 2025. Oh, that's 100% false. There is no way that Apple in particular, having put as much money into real estate as they have, is going to go fully remote. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. (laughs) Drum roll, please. Ding, 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 ding. He got one. Okay. Were you nervous, though? Just a little bit, just because you've been wrong. Just a little bit. Also, I live in the Bay Area. I have seen the crazy things they do for their real estate. I, yeah, they're not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, they just dropped a lot of coin on that new spaceship campus. Totally. Do you want to hear the fake paragraph I wrote about it? Sure. Yeah. The Verge has obtained an internal email from Apple CEO Tim Cook in which he reacts to numerous complaints from Apple employees about the Cupertino-based organization's return to office strategy. Cook urges people to be patient and says that plans are underway to take the company remote as soon as it makes sense. I felt like that was a pretty good description by me. Okay, next one. Good job. It's now Jared 3, K-Ball 2, so we got a game. Woman arrested for car theft drove another stolen car to court appearance, according to Dublin police. That is so delightful. It appeals to (laughs) so many things that even if I'm wrong, I'm going to have to go true. That is delightful. Final answer? Final answer. It's true. Good one. (laughs) I love it. Let's hear the the full story, though, because that's great. A woman was scheduled to make a court appearance on Monday in Dublin after being arrested for stealing a car. How did she get to said court appearance? The 41-year-old woman, identified as, I'll leave her name out, used another stolen car to get to said court appearance, Dublin police announced on Wednesday. So kind of just repeats the story. But yeah, she stole a car to go to court about a stolen car. So after four rounds, you've now taken the lead. Jared 3, K-Ball 4. You're redeeming yourself here. Okay, headline five. Clearly going with my gut rather than adding asking for more information is working out better here. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, I feel like Nick wanted more information more than you do. You're just going after it. So we'll see if your strategy pays off. Contrary to my stated strategy at the beginning, but you know, I'm going to draw from the anecdotes of four and call that data and keep leaning into this. There we go. Headline five. First patient to communicate via brain implant asks to hear Radiohead album. <laughs> That's delightful, but I think it's false. Final answer? Yeah. It's false. Now, here's the kicker, though. So two points for you. You now have six. I have three. You're soundly beating me, which I'm not appreciating. 90% of this headline is true. I just changed the band. Nice. He actually wanted to hear a tool. In the first study of its kind, scientists were able to communicate with a late-stage ALS patient using a brain implant and neural signals. 
Among the few requests he painstakingly communicated was a desire to listen to a Tool album, and loudly. I love it. It's even more delightful that there is truth in the lie. Yeah, exactly. I just changed it to Radiohead. Okay, well, now you are doubling me in points here. Let's see if we can get back on track. Headline six. Exxon is mining Bitcoin in North Dakota as part of its plan to slash emissions. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I want this to be a real article, but I'm going to say false again. Actually, no, it is just wild. It's crypto wild. You're on the fence. You want to hear more? Okay. Yes, I'll listen for more. Okay. For over a year, Exxon has been working with Crusoe Energy Systems, a company based in Denver, said the people who asked not to be named because details of the project are confidential. Crusoe's technology helps oil companies turn wasted energy or flare gas into a useful resource. For one point now. I think this is one of those where they're doing something like that, but it being for crypto is just too like perfect, and I think you subbed that, so I'm going to say false. Okay. I'm back, baby. That one's true. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, there are so many people getting scammed by this crypto thing. All right. K-Ball has six. Jared has four. We have four headlines left. All right. Number seven. Research shows TikTok videos contribute to a rise in cases of girls with ticks. I'm going to go with false. I think I saw the same study, but it's not ticks. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, all right. Same study, but it was ticks. What fun would it be if we're not close? So this is ticks like T-I-C-S. Not, I don't know if you're thinking. No, I know, but I feel like I saw it and it was related to like depression or anxiety or something like that. It's actually Tourette's. So there's Tourette videos. I've seen, there's one girl in particular, I saw a lot of her videos where she's like sharing her experience with Tourette's and she has ticks and stuff. I'm sure there's plenty others. It says Tourette videos posted on the platform continue to draw many viewers and doctors say teen girls keep showing up at their offices with functional neurological issues. So kind of a sad thing. That's a strange side effect. Or So I wonder if it's actually leading to a rise in it or it's leading to people recognizing it and going to see a doctor when they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I struggle to see what the mechanism would be for that, right? Like Tourette's is like a... It's a neurological thing. I don't know if it's like... It's a neurological thing. It doesn't feel like something that's going to be amenable to peer pressure or something. But if like you've had some weird thing going on with you and you then you see this person describing it, you might say, oh, maybe this is something I could get treated. Like this is actually a thing. Right. Yeah, potentially. By the way, we will link up. That's off of Wall Street Journal. So we'll link up all these for people that want to dig into the more details. This is just the first paragraph but with that wrong answer now it's highest the game at six to six okay if for nothing else we're at least making it interesting i was thinking that if i managed to win that i would be in a winning position and i could win just by driving everything to one point but now i have to to really make decisions (laughs) you're too strategic but your your strategy failed by getting that one wrong all right number eight mark zuckerberg says it's reasonable that the metaverse isn't a place but a feeling Sorry. I'm not laughing because of the headline. I'm laughing because of your response to the headline. So don't try to read my face. It's not working. No, no. It's, oh, oh, Zuckerberg. Do you want me to repeat that? No, I don't need a re- repetition. I'm just trying to. 
Uh, do you want to lower the stakes to one? I feel like he has too much command of the message to actually do that. So I'm going to say false. Final answer. Yeah. You are correct. It is not true. Darn it. Have I told you my weird Zuckerberg connection? No, you haven't. Actually, I have two weird Zuckerberg connections. I, I want to hear them. One, a startup that I worked at early in my career called Causes was co-founded by Sean Parker and Joe Green. Joe Green being okay. Zuckerberg's freshman roommate. And we had connections into Facebook and we actually leaned heavily into the Facebook viral crack when they first launched. We were we developed what was for a very long time the largest non-game application on the Facebook platform. Anyway, so I had that weird connection. But then later weird connection. So my wife's family is Jewish and we don't practice very much, but we do go to synagogue for Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the synagogue that her parents belong to that we go to for Yom Kippur is the same synagogue that Zuckerberg goes to. So like oh. a couple of years in a row, we would kind of creep in for the end of the, we would go for um, the end of services, basically the end of, of Yom Kippur as they're closing the heavens and doing all the, the different pieces. People who are more observant will be there all day for services, but we'll just go towards the end. We would sneak in there and, uh, Two years in a row, Zuckerberg snuck in at about the same time, and it was within, within a row of us. And we're just like sitting here and be like, "Oh wow, you know, this holiday's about repentant. I hope you're repentant, fella." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. You and Zuck are quite close, it seems, almost friends, even. Apparently so. You know, it's like that whole six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. In right. This case, I guess it's two degrees of Zuck. Yeah. There you go. Two degrees of Zuck. So this one was almost true. Uh, I just changed what he said. So he did say that the metaverse isn't a place, but a point in time. I change it to a feeling. He said that on the Lex Friedman podcast. So, you know, he was saying stuff, but just saying something different. So with that, you take the lead. Okay. But yeah, when you said that, my head just started saying, hooked on a feeling. Do, <laughs> yeah, there you do, go. Do, do. And I couldn't imagine him saying it. No, he'd sing it like, hooked on a feeling. I was trying to do a robot <laughs> and I just stopped. I just stopped midway. I'm like, no, Jared, don't do the robot thing. You're terrible. I wish I would be better at being robotic, but I'm just just such a human. Okay, lost my tab. Here it is. Well, you're up six to eight, so you could slow ball it and force me only into a tie if you're going to play the meta game because there's only two left. Well, so you can go one and one, and the best I can do is tie, but uh, you could also be boring to do that. So I won't tell you what to do. Number nine, Google searches new highly suspect label helps you question the source of a story. So Google search has added a new label, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. highly suspect, helps you question the source of a story. Interesting. I know they've been doing work around that. So I heard a rumor that Nick Nisi lost. And so if I force to a tie at, at worst, <laughs> yes, I have beaten Nick, which is the same as a victory for me. So I'm going to ask for more details. I 100% agree. Okay, more details. This is wise. This is very wise. Because if you, if you can't beat me, you might as well beat Nick Nisi. That's, that's, I mean, yeah. That's a good strategy. Google's adding a new highly suspect label to search results infrequently sourced by other publications, the company is announcing today. Anything from local news stories, interviews, announcements, and even press releases will be eligible for the new label being added to the search results preview image in the case that zero or very few websites are linking to it. Hmm. I'm going to go with false. And here's why. I think the description as stated, which is about zero things linking to that article, 
biases against real time. And I know they, that one of the big areas that they're trying to think about here is actually real time and how you support things. So I suspect that they're doing something similar or like this, but that algorithm rings false to me. So I'm going to say false. Well played. It is false. So it's almost true, but I changed the label. So they have a new label. It's called highly cited. So I just inverted it. Mm -hmm. They have a new highly cited label, which helps you know that a source is highly cited. So it is trustworthy. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So if it has more links to it, then it's highly cited. So like, hey, these other people are citing this. I just changed it from highly cited to highly suspect to to falsehood that. But you drilled it. So another two for you. Just one. Yep, just one. But that's good enough. Victory is mine, Jared. This is true, which makes this last one purely for funsies. You have nine points. I have six. There is nothing I can do to catch you, but I can catch you with a wrong answer on number 10, which is as Docker gains momentum, it hauls in $105 million Series C on a $2 billion valuation. That is either old or false, because I think they've, and I don't remember, it's either old or false. They're bigger than that at this point, I think. I'm going to say false and go with that. And I don't need to go deeper because I've won. Gotcha. That is true. All right. And recent, as of today, actually. They just announced it today. I could have sworn they were ar- they were already at least Series C. But... It doesn't matter. <laughs> Final score, Jared 8, K-Ball 9. It's hard to even utter the words, but you, sir, are the headlines champion. Excellent. Congratulations. Would you have any final words? I will endeavor to, to do very little evil with this. Does this mean I get to host next time? Sure. All right. I would love to play. I've never been able to play before. I always come up with the game. See, I thought it would be cool. All right. So as champion, I will give this gift to you in a future okay. date. I will host Headlines. See, I thought it'd be cool if we had multiple people playing. So like you could have like, you know, each person guesses what they think it is. And then they have like a running score. But it's always just been on a show where it's just the two of us, me and you. Well, we'll see what happens. But I'll do that for a future episode. All right. Very cool. Well, that is our show for this week. I guess happy April Fool's Day for those who celebrate, myself excluded. If you enjoyed this, let us know. If you think Headlines is the, is the worst show I've ever come up with, eh, keep that to yourself, you know? <laughs> but if you like it, definitely let us know. For K-Ball, uh, I'm Jared, and this has been JS Party. I guess we'll just talk to everybody next week. Did you play Headlines along with K-Ball? How'd you do? Better? Worse? Let us know in the comments. There's a link to the discussion thread for this episode in your show notes. And do not forget to subscribe now if this is your first time listening. Head to jsparty.fm for all the ways, as well as our request form, so you can let us know what you want to hear about on the pod. Did you know? Changelog++ subscribers saved themselves six minutes on this episode by making the ads disappear. Increment your changelog experience at changelog.com slash plus plus. Thanks again to our friends at Fastly for CDNing for us, to Breakmaster Cylinder for the glitches, and to you for listening. We appreciate you. 
Next up on the pod, I sit down with Rasmus Porsiger to discuss Postgres.js and how you can use it to handle all your database needs in both Node and Dino. That episode will be hitting your podcast feed next week. Change log plus plus. It's better.